0: Good evening. Please be ready with me in James chapter 5, 19 and 20. James 5, the final two verses of that epistle. I spoke to us this morning about the book of James and the imperative you discover there to activate your faith. That is to say, take what you read there and turn it into personal Action, Not just agreement, but personal action. And I'll make specific application of that principle tonight. While you're locating James 5, let me explain something about how various sermon topics are scheduled. When I do sermon planning, sometimes I pull up sermon files from 10 to 15 years ago and I discover that some of those sermons delivered so many years ago were marked for revision and repetition. And that means when I initially delivered that sermon, my plan was to pull that sermon up periodically and revise it and deliver the revision. And I do this with topics that have such relevance that they need to be repeated periodically. So near the end of last year, a sermon came to my attention that was delivered about 10 years ago, and it was marked for revision and repetition. I revised it extensively and set it for delivery this year, and you've already concluded you're going to be the recipients of that delivery tonight. James 5, 19 and 20. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Here's a good place to begin anytime you read a section of Scripture. What's the main thing? What's the main idea that you get? Here it is that God wants his people to exert good effort to bring sinners back. To reach people who have left the Lord or are in the process of wandering from the truth. We all know there are people who wonder from the truth. They drift away from their previous diligent devotion to God. Often they stop attending worship. Usually that's gradual. But eventually they leave the truth and become involved in religious error, false teaching, or a moral failure, or they just do nothing about God anymore. God wants us to do what we can to get those people back. What God has said ought to mean something to us when it comes to getting people back who've wandered from the truth. But this question comes up Has God said anything about how we do that? I think that's a good question. How does God want us? To recover the erring, those who are wondering, who exhibit spiritual weakness. What has God said about that? Has God spoken about that? Has God said anything about how we go about that? He has. God has spoken. Not only has God said, do all you can to get those people back. God has given some very specific directions that we take with us in those efforts to get people back to faithfulness to God. I want us to consider this evening several passages where God has given this direction about how we go about recovering the fallen, those who are drifting those who exhibit evidence of diminishing zeal. How do we go about that? I want us to look at Galatians chapter 6. Listen please to verses 1 through 10 in Galatians chapter 6. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him... In a spirit of gentleness, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be "...in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption." verses in all the Bible to understand is right here before us in Galatians 6.1 Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Now, it repeats what we read in James 5.19 and 20. But I want you to look at how God says this ought to be done. There's no difficulty understanding the spirit Christians must take with them in their outreach to the weak and the fallen. Lock in on that phrase, in a spirit of gentleness. Now, what synonyms occur to you? when you see that phrase. How about calm, kind, not abrasive, or insulting, but obviously clear? When I respond to the spiritual needs of my brothers and sisters believing that they may be headed in the wrong direction, God tells me this spirit must be present in my approach. A spirit of gentleness. And one reason for this is we might someday stand in need of that same kind of care. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. So reach out to the fallen and the weak, those who seem to be moving away from God and their duty to Him, but with the spirit that God has directed. He wants us to have a spirit of gentleness. Ephesians 4.15 Speaking the truth in love. Two things go together there. Speaking the truth and in love. Now, anytime we reach out to someone who is on their way away from God who is falling away, what we come up with to say is never a priority. What must be spoken is the truth, the truth God has given. We don't put our confidence in our words. We put our confidence in God's words, the truth. So we approach the unfaithful, We approach those who seem to be drifting away from God with words from God, the truth, speaking the truth. We do that in a spirit of gentleness, and this says in love, not in anger, not in revenge, rather in love. If our love for the sinner is not obvious, we are likely to drive the person further away. So God has given direction concerning our approach to those who exhibit weakness, who are fallen, who are drifting away from the truth and their duty to God. We do that in a spirit of gentleness and we do it in love and then in 1 Peter 3.15 with gentleness and respect. I'm afraid sometimes we just get agitated. We are tempted to have an attitude that says I'm going to get him told. When I get through with him, fill in the blank. I'll fix her, fill in the blank. I'll tell it like it is. I want you to imagine two different approaches. One where you craft your own words out of your own agitation and you impulsively present those words. Here's another approach. In a spirit of gentleness and in love, you present to the person who is exhibiting weakness and drifting away from God what God is saying. You use God's words, not your quickly crafted words that may come out of agitation. And we justify that agitation sometimes by connecting our harshness with boldness. Faithfulness to sound doctrine, tough love. Well, we need to understand faithfulness to sound doctrine must be accompanied by love for the sinner. And does not rule out gentleness and respect. When Peter writes, by inspiration of the Spirit, gentleness, and respect, he isn't talking about going soft, concealing truth, or compromising. No, he's talking about our attitude as we approach the sinner and give answer to those who are wavering. We must always take with us love for the person we seek to recover. God is giving us direction in all these passages about how we approach the fallen. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 14 says, Encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. When someone, a Christian seems to be slipping away, drifting from the truth, and you say something to them, was it encouraging? Did it encourage them to come back to God and reaffirm their faith in Christ? Did you help the weak and were you patient? These are not options or opinions. God is telling us how to approach the weak and faint-hearted. We can't just say anything and quickly respond with our agitation and our anger. We must follow the directions God has given as to approach and as to attitude. Colossians 4 and verse 6. Let your speech Always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And this addresses exactly what we're talking about, how you ought to address each person. Now again, Paul is not recommending compromise. Paul, compromise? No, He isn't saying to water down the truth, take the edge off of rebuke. No. Paul is speaking from God to attitude, to manner, to demeanor that is gracious, not insulting or impulsive, and always seeks the salvation of the sinner. So there isn't any doubt from James five, nineteen and twenty, that God wants us to reach out to those we believe are wandering from the truth. We love them. We have this abiding concern for souls. We want them back, not just to please us, ultimately for their salvation and to please God, but we must go about it as directed by God in a spirit of gentleness speaking the truth in love with gentleness and respect encourage the faint hearted help the weak be patient with them all let your speech always be gracious seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each one now with all that in mind i want to give you two hypothetical examples and how we can apply what we've read. Case number one. You look around and you observe that someone has just stopped attending. Do you gossip about that? Do you never say anything to the person and just say something to everybody else? Do you spread speculation? Do you tell other members, I didn't think they were really devoted anyway. How about a card that says, I've missed you at services lately. If there is anything I might be able to do to help you, please let me know. Now, here's what you're doing with that. You're opening a door. See, in these situations, you don't want to shut the door. You want to open the door. We must not assume that we know why someone isn't here. Rather, inquire with the spirit that exhibits our care and that applies these passages we've looked at tonight. Case number two you have evidence, you are certain sin has been committed. And you want to react in a manner that might bring the sinner to repentance. Go to that person, be certain that you have evidence. Be certain they know that you are there to help, not hurt. That you love them. That you want to encourage them with scripture to come back to God. Read Scripture with them and make the encounter more about Scripture than what you say. Remember, it is not your words that save. It's not my words that save. It's God's Word. That's where the saving power is. One of the key things I want to say tonight is don't just react on impulse with agitation think pray with good discipline consider what god has said in these passages about how we are to do this now i want to go back to that passage in james and then i have something else i want to tag on to the end of this study my brothers, the James five nineteen and twenty. If anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Yes, that's what we want to do. We want to bring them back. Now, one clarification. I need to tag on to this study. In the case of presumptuous, rebellious, false teachers who exhibit rebellion against God and desire to tear God's people apart, while we still act on love and while we still refrain from revenge and insults, there must be boldness. In fact, there must always be clarity when we speak to people, but there certainly must be boldness with presumptuous, rebellious, false teachers who want to create strife. Paul said to elders in Titus chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, empty talkers and deceivers must be silenced. Now, it may be a great challenge to do that. Comply with Titus one ten and eleven, and come across with those attitudes. But boldness is absolutely necessary when you're dealing with a presumptuous false teacher who's rebelling against God. While we maintain the attitudes that are set forth in all those passages we look at, while we refrain from impulsive re- revenge and irritation, there is a bold, decisive action to be taken. I'm going to give you an example of this. In Romans 16, 17, and 18, Romans 16, 17, and 18, I appeal to you brothers to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery they deceive the hearts of Naive. We must be very clear and decisive when we deal with the kind of people Paul describes in Romans sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen. We still love them and we love God, but the situation at this level, while not requiring revenge or bitterness, must be clear and Bold and immediate. In all that we're talking about tonight, wise distinctions are necessary. I want you to turn to Jude 22 and 23. And I'm going to talk to you here for a moment about wise distinctions. Not every case is the same. Not every case is the same. So we apply wise discipline and distinctions. We ask God for wisdom in our response. This is Jude 22 and 23. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Well, what we focused on tonight is that drifting, diminished faithfulness. In some cases, just not taking duty to God and allegiance to Scripture seriously. In those cases, and even in these extreme cases, the point is to let God's Word guide our response. Always pray for people hate and anger and impulse can defeat